Today we're going to be talking about how we deal with disappointment, because I think this is a topic that we can all relate to. Unfortunately, as we go throughout our lives, we often encounter disappointment. Now, when disappointment happens, and unfortunately it is inevitable that it happens, there's a couple of different ways that we can react to disappointment. And what we're going to look at today is a biblical example of reacting to disappointment, which will hopefully give us some hope and give us some pointers and give us some guidance as to how we too can react when those disappointing circumstances come up, because inevitably they do. Wouldn't it be great if as Christians, when you were baptized into Christ, when you decided to accept Christ into your life, everything just turned out roses for the rest of our lives? That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Who wouldn't want that? But unfortunately, that's not the life that we're promised, and we need to look no further than the life of Christ to know that that's just not the way things are going to happen for us. Christ's life wasn't all roses. He went through trials and tribulations that thankfully you and I will never face, but his life wasn't all easy, and he had his fair share of disappointment. And you and I have our fair share of disappointments as well. We have disappointments that happen in our lives. Things just don't always go our way, and sometimes that tends us to react in different ways and to react in ways that maybe we probably shouldn't react as Christians. But I can tell you this. I have watched some very powerful, very strong Christian men and women react to disappointment in a way that not only encouraged my faith, but encourage those around them. And I think we have an opportunity when things don't go our way to set an example, to shine a positive light for Christ. I've seen people that have lost loved ones and just shown unbelievable strength and encouragement through those situations, which not only encouraged me, but encouraged all of those that they came into contact with. And it led people to ask those questions of, hey, how can you be so encouraging despite what you've been through? And it gives us that chance to give glory back to God. Because, see, we have to remember who God is and what God has promised us. Now, spoiler alert, Brother Glenn read for us a scripture earlier that kind of talks about the fact that God does fulfill his promises. And now we're going to kind of do the flashback and we're going to kind of read in the Old Testament a little bit of what led up to some of the things that they were facing at this time. But here's the question that I want you to think about as we get ready to unpack this this morning. And that's how do we react when things don't go our way? Do we get angry? Do we turn to drugs or alcohol? Do we start to question God? I hear people a lot when bad things happen, when tragedies happen. They say, well, where was God in this situation? Why did God let this happen? And it can cause us to question our faith. And see, that's exactly what the enemy wants, is he wants you to question your faith. But what we're going to look at today is a very powerful example of how to react when things don't go our way. But before we get there, we're going to start out in Isaiah 55. So if you would, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55, because I want you to not only hear these words, but I want you to see these words as well. And we're going to have a lot of scripture this morning, so don't put your Bibles away. I'm going to give you guys a workout this morning. But if we start in verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. It says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I want this to frame our conversation this morning. Because, see, things happen that we don't understand. Things happen that we don't like. 
But see, God is always in the middle of it. And just because it doesn't go our way doesn't mean that God's not there. And we may not understand why things happen. We don't understand why bad things happen to good people. And we may never understand that. But God's plans and God's ways are bigger than our ways. And part of our faith as Christians is understanding that and knowing that and letting that frame how we react when things don't go our way. And that's the story that we're going to look at here this morning. See, disappointment happens when our situations get Worse. Now, have you ever found yourself in a situation where something is going on in your life and you start diligently praying about it and maybe you're even fasting about it and you're spending extra time in the scripture and extra time on your knees in prayer and things just get worse? That leads to disappointment. That leads to helplessness and that leads to hopelessness. And that's what we're going to look at here today. So we're actually going to start in Exodus chapter 5. So if you would, open your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 5. And we're going to do this a little different than we normally do. We're going to read a big chunk of this scripture at a time. But I I think it's important that you understand all of the steps to this story. Because if you don't understand the story, you're not going to understand how the reactions are taking place. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 5 verse 1. It says, afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. So just to set the scene for you a little bit, we're talking about when they were in captivity, when they were slaves to Pharaoh. Now remember, Pharaoh was kind of the head honcho. He was the the main guy, right? And in some cases, he was actually thought of as a deity. So whatever Pharaoh says goes. But Moses and Aaron were commissioned by God to go to Pharaoh and say, hey, enough is enough. Let our people go. So they went to Pharaoh. And they took this message and they took this word from God and they went and they said, hey, this is enough. God's done with this situation and you're going to let our people go. Verse 2 says, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. So this is Pharaoh's response because remember, Pharaoh thinks of himself almost as a God, as a God-like figure. So he's like, who is this God that's going to come along and tell me I've got to let my workers, my slaves go? And he basically just says, not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. It says, then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now, let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may, he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. It says, but the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, what are, what, what are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to work. So, so Aaron and Moses are lobbying, right? They're lobbying to Pharaoh to say, look, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to let these people go to worship in the wilderness. And Pharaoh's basically saying, look, this is my workforce. You're not taking my workforce. Knock it off. So Pharaoh says, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave his order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people. It says, You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. It says, let them go and gather their own straw. So here we see that things are actually getting worse 
for the people that Moses and Aaron are trying to free. And what did we just say just a moment ago, right? Disappointment happens when your situation gets worse. So here's Moses and Aaron, right? They're going to, to Pharaoh. They've been commissioned by God to go to Pharaoh, and they're saying, hey, let the people go. And not only does Pharaoh say, that's not happening, he's going to make things just a little bit harder on them. See, in the, in the past, they were provided with the straw that they needed to make the bricks. It was a step in the process that was being taken care of for them, and their whole structure, their whole quota system, their whole workflow was set up based on this fact. So Pharaoh is kind of flipping the script on us a little bit. It says, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. It says, don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. So not only are they not going to provide the materials that the workers needed, but they're also going to say, but you still have to do the same amount of work. Now, keep in mind, during this time, these folks were slaves, and they were treated as such. And when they didn't meet their quotas, there were consequences. They, They didn't just get a slap on the wrist. They would be beaten or tortured. There were consequences that went around that, that went around not making your quotas. So now Pharaoh is making things worse. It says, make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. So he's basically saying, look, let's make this harder on them. Let's keep them busy so they won't be paying attention to what these two are trying to do. Because Pharaoh's all about getting the work done. It says, Then the slaves, the slave drivers, and the overseers went out and said to the people, This is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. It says, Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So now Pharaoh has given this message right to Moses and Aaron, and now he's given it to the bosses, to the people overseeing the work, to say, Look, This is what you're going to have to do. So this situation just keeps getting worse for Moses and Aaron. It says, so the people scattered all over Egypt and gathered stubble to use for straw. It says, the slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. So again, they're not letting up on these people. They're not letting up on the people. They're actually making it harder and harder and harder. And imagine how Moses and Aaron must be feeling at this point. Here, God had given them a job to do, and they just assumed they were going to go to Pharaoh with the power of God and say, look, let them go, and Pharaoh's just going to say, great, go ahead. But that's not how things are happening. See, sometimes things get worse before they get better. Sometimes things don't go our way, and that's the case for Moses and Aaron, is this situation is just getting worse and worse and worse. It says, And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers that they had appointed, demanding, Why haven't you met your quotas of bricks yesterday or today as before? Again, there were consequences. And the, the Israelites were seeing the consequences, right, of not fulfilling their quotas because their materials were taken away from them. And the situation just keeps deteriorating. It says, then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh and said, why have you treated your servants this way? So they're frustrated. They're upset. They've just been beaten. So they're like, hey, Pharaoh, what's going on here? Why are you doing this to us? 
It says, your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. So they're pleading to Pharaoh. They're kind of going out on a limb here, right? And pleading to Pharaoh that, hey, things are just getting worse and worse. Please make it stop. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are. Lazy, that's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. So Pharaoh's kind of flipping the script on him here. He's trying to say, look, you don't want to go to worship God. You're just lazy and you don't want to work. Now remember, Moses and Aaron were kind of the ones that kind of lit this fire, so to speak. It says, now get to work. It says, you will not be given any straw and you must produce your full quota of bricks. Would have been very easy for Moses and Aaron at this point to say, well, this didn't work. Well, this was an utter failure. Let's just stop. Let's just give up. This just isn't going the way we want it to go. Now, I'll be very disappointed if you didn't see this slide and the song didn't start in your head, right? Let's just be honest. We all are singing it right now. Don't stop. Believe it. No, I won't torture you. But you get the idea. But, but that should be our mantra when things aren't going our way. And it would have been very easy for Moses and Aaron to say, you know what? This just didn't work. So we're done. God, I know this is what you asked me to do, but it's not going the way I want it to go. What happened? Now, we already kind of know how this story ends, but what had happened if Moses and Aaron had given up right now? What would happen if they gave up and just said, you know what, this isn't worth it? We've actually made things worse for the same people that we've been trying to save. Keep that in the back of your mind as we go forward. See, disappointment happens when your expectations are not met. We are full of expectations. We are full of expectations of the way our lives should go and the way we want our lives to go. But sometimes it doesn't go that way. I always say if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. And he'll laugh. But see, when our expectations are not met, we have forgotten what we read earlier about God's ways being higher than our ways. See, when we live on our expectations of what we want and we forget about what God wants, it leads to disappointment. And that's exactly how Moses and Aaron must have been feeling at this point in time. Let's continue. It says the Israelite overseers realized that they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you each day. It says when they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. Sure, they had a few choice words for Moses and Aaron. Like, hey guys, what are you doing to me here? And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials, and you've put a sword in their hand to kill us. So the overseers, right, they just went to Pharaoh, they they leave and they run into Moses and Aaron. And you can imagine how that conversation went down, just like what we see here. Guys, what are you doing? Because, see, expectations are not meeting the reality of the situation. And now not only are Moses and Aaron disappointed because this story is not unfolding the way they wanted it to, but the Israelite overseers are disappointed and they're paying the price and so are the people doing the work. See, this situation just gets worse because now 
the people that Moses and Aaron are trying to help are now turning on them, are now frustrated with them, saying things like, may the Lord look at you and judge you. Which is basically like saying, hey, you're going to pay for this. It says, Most returned to the Lord. Moses returned to the Lord. So Moses had a choice to make. He could have just given up. He could have just said, you know what? I'm good. I'm done with this. This isn't going the way that I wanted it to go. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where things were just spiraling out of control and you just say, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with God. Because we, we start to think things in our own mind, right? That God can't or that God won't fix our problem. But we know that God can and God will fix our problems if that's what he wants to do. So Moses gets it right. And this is the example that I want to look at. See, Moses gets it right. He's frustrated. He's upset. But he still goes to God. We've all been there. You've all stopped to pray when you're just frustrated and you're angry, and it's probably not the prayer you would pray in a normal situation, but maybe you're even yelling at God, like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Well, that's kind of where Moses is at. But see, God can handle our frustration. God can deal with us in every state, including our state of anger, including our state of frustration. It says, Moses returned to the Lord, and he said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on these people? Is this not why you sent me? He's saying, look, God, you told me to do this. This is what you commissioned me to do, and it's not working. And you can almost hear the frustration in Moses' voice as he's, as he's talking to God and just saying, why? And we've all been there, right? We've all been in a situation where we just didn't understand it, and we're disappointed, and we're frustrated, and we reach out to God, and we say, God, Why? Why are you allowing this to happen? But remember what we said earlier. God's ways are higher than our ways. It says, ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on his people. And you have not resolved your people at all. You've not rescued your people at all. Again, that frustration, you can hear the frustration in Moses' voice. Saying, look, we did exactly what you told us to do, and now you're not holding up your end of the bargain. He's almost yelling at God, saying, look, God, I did my part. When are you going to step in and do your part? See, disappointment happens when we forget who God is and what he has promised. We forget who God is. We forget that he's everywhere and that he's everything and that he's all-powerful. See, Moses had forgotten for a moment who God was. He's angry with God. He's frustrated with God. He's almost yelling at God. Look, I did what you told me to do. He's saying, God, you do your part now. But see, he's forgotten that God always has a plan. When we pick up in chapter 6, we're going to kind of see the answer from God. Now, God would have had every right at this point, right, to rebuke him, to yell at him, to say, hey, don't you talk to me like that, Moses. You're my servant. But he didn't. Because, see, we serve a loving God. And we serve an understanding God. And we serve a God who knows that we are going to be emotional. He created us to be emotional beings. So he doesn't yell at Moses. He just says, hey, I got this. I want you to, I want you to, to catch 
how God responds to Moses. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to the Pharaoh. See, this is God reminding Moses of who he is. He let him kind of vent. He let him kind of get it out of his system. And then he says, Moses, I got this. Watch what's about to happen. It says, because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. See, God is reminding Moses who he is and basically what he's capable of. It says, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. He's reminding Moses who he is. And we're going to see this statement a couple of times throughout these next few verses where God says, hey, buddy, just a quick reminder. Do you know who I am? I'm God. I'm the all-powerful, almighty, omnipresent God. And he's going to remind Moses of this a few times over the next few verses. So I want you to be watching out for that. It says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. Verse 4 says, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. It says, moreover, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving and I have redeemed my, remembered my covenant. It says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. It says, I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with the mighty acts of judgment. It says, I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Over and over, he's reminding Moses because he knows the state that Moses is in. Moses is in a state of disappointment and Moses is in a state of despair and he's reminding him, look, hey, I'm God. I got this. Stop worrying. Stop being disappointed. Stop feeling defeated. And see, I think God does the same thing with us, right? He reminds us over and over again who he is and what he's capable of doing. And he reminds him, look, hey, I'm God. Verse 8 says, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. I love that he starts this passage of promises, this passage of I wills with I am the Lord, and he finishes it with I am the Lord. See, God answered Moses didn't rebuke him. He didn't chastise him. He didn't treat him the way he probably deserved to be treated. Instead, he said, I'm God. And he gave him a list of promises. And I don't want you to miss this. I want you to write these down. I want you to take a picture of the screen. It's okay to hold your phones up. I don't care. But I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss these promises that he gave to Moses. Because he gave Moses these promises as a way of reassuring Moses of who he was and what he was about to do. And he makes these same promises to us. He makes these same promises to you and I. He gives them the I will of deliverance. Because he's going to deliver them 
out of the hands of evil, just like he delivers us from sin and death. The I will of liberty from verse 6. He's going to give them the liberty that they so desperately are wanting and needing. The I will of power. He reminds them about the power of our God and what he's about to do. The I will of relationship, because see, we serve a God of relationships. He wants to have a relationship with us. God's design for relationship with us was in the Garden of Eden. He wanted to walk with us and talk with us. He wanted to be with us. But see, we messed that up. We messed that up and we caused a separation between us and God. But that was never by his design. That was by our mistake. He wants to have a relationship with you. The creator of the universe wants to have relationship with you if you'll just have relationship with him. He says he'll be our friend. He's our friend. He's in our corner. He's there for us. He's there to help us. He's there when we need him. It's this idea of friendship. He's going to bless us. See, as Christians, we're not promised an easy life. We're promised a better life. And I believe that with all my heart because you and I have blessings beyond measure. And, and we may not always see that. And we may not always feel that. And we may, you know, here on this earth, we may not get the things that we want or the things we think we deserve. But we get what we need. And one day, if we're faithful to him, we'll get those blessings. And the last one is inheritance. See, they were going to inherit the land that was promised to them. And you and I get to inherit the land that is promised to us, and that's heaven. See, Moses knew, despite his disappointment, despite his downfall, despite the fact that this plan was not going the way he wanted it to go, he knew to turn to God. Are we doing the same thing? When we're in the midst of our disappointment, we're in the midst of our toils and our troubles, do we go to God? And then more importantly, do we listen to what he has to say? See, I think that sometimes the trap that we fall into is we're really good about praying and asking God for things, and we're really bad about listening for the answers. Because, see, we don't always get the answers the way we want them. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could pray to God, and just like he did with Moses, he would actually just speak to us and tell us the answers? That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. We don't get to just text God and wait for a response. He leaves us on red every time. But sometimes it's a scripture that you read. Sometimes it's a song that you hear. Sometimes it's a person that he puts into your life that speaks life to you, that helps you with your situation. But see, we got to be open to that. And we got to be available to that. And we got to be listening and looking for that answer. See, it's an active process. We don't just get to say, God, I need you to fix this, and then sit back in the easy chair and wait for him to fix it. See, he wants us to do our part. And we got to be listening, and we got to be looking. And sometimes that just means we got to slow down. We're busy people, right? We're busy. We work. We have kids. We go to school. We commute. We're busy people. Sometimes we just have to be intentional about stopping and slowing down and listening for what God is trying to say to us because we don't want to miss that. And maybe you need to schedule that time just like you schedule any other time. You know, most of us, we have iPhones 
or Androids or whatever you're using these days, and they have this calendar function, right? And we put everything on there, right? Kids' soccer practice, work, dinner plans. Are, are we scheduling time to listen to God? And maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's you block out 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half an hour, an hour of your day, and this is my time to slow down, to be quiet, and to listen to God. And maybe that's what it takes. Maybe we just have to be more intentional about listening for God. See, we got to remember who God is and remember what he's promised. Because, see, we're going to have disappointments, and we're going to have troubles, and we're going to have heartaches, and we're going to have sorrows, and there's going to be things that we just simply don't understand. But see, if we can remember who God is, and remember that he has promised us so much more than this life has to offer, then we don't ever have to feel helpless, and we don't ever have to feel hopeless. And it'll help us get through those disappointments and those heartaches and those trials and those tribulations that you and I face on a daily basis. If you don't remember anything else from today, when times get tough, you got to remember who God is and remember what he's promised you and I. Now maybe this morning, maybe you've never had a chance to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit just fill you up and to live in him, and, and to accept that promise that God has given us that you can spend an eternity in some place so much better than what you and I live with here every day. You have an opportunity this morning to be baptized. The baptistry is full. It's probably even warm. But there's no reason for you to not be baptized this morning. Or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. But maybe this disappointment has crept in and it's got you questioning and it's got you thinking and you just need to talk and you need to pray and you need help to get through your time of disappointment. I want to encourage you to either come forward during this next song or if you don't want to do that, just reach out to myself or one of our elders or one of our staff and we'll be more than happy to talk with you, to pray with you, and to help you remember what it's all about and that it's all about Jesus. If we can help you in any way, we want to invite you to come forward as we stand together and as we sing this next song. I know that my Redeemer is and ever pray.